Welcome to the St. Richard's Podcast Sermon of the Week. This week's message is given by the Reverend Kelly Jennings. For more information, please visit us at strichards.org. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Every Sunday is a gift where we get fed Holy Scripture, God's Word, And it just felt extra poignant to me today to dwell on the fact that God's Word is sustaining, delicious. Just listen to some of these words, too, that we get. The the scripture passages also just interweave so beautifully today. The Word is, Paul in Romans, the Word is near you on your lips and in your heart. Man shall not live by bread alone. The Deuteronomy passage itself is the entire scope of the Lenten journey. Starting out meditating on these passages last week, I was puzzled a little. Why this Deuteronomy passage for the beginning of Lent? But it became clear to me that it is the entire picture of our journey, of Jesus' journey. Meditate on that a little bit this week. Notice that Israel, this is Moses calling Israel to give thanks once they come into the promised land for how God has led them to safety and has fulfilled his promises. So it's a bit like a a liturgy book describing this this is the prescribed way you are to offer thanks for having made it 40 years through the desert. God leading them all the way. Jesus is in the desert 40 days. We begin our journey this week, from Ash Wednesday technically, of 40 days, drawing close to our Lord, proclaiming him as our Savior, feasting on the word, not just on bread alone. Well, feasting is also a way of Praying. And praying can be done by reciting psalms. Now, the devil uses Psalm 91. Speaking of interweaving, we have the devil using words from the psalm we pray today to manipulate, and he manipulates them in order to get Jesus to, to be tempted. But praying the psalms is something that the church has done. I remember after... September 11, 2001, people bringing to mind Psalm 91, 91, verse 1, 911. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. And that was comforting to me. And ever since, reading Psalm 91 has had new meaning. Um, you see it through a different lens. Much like the... Um, church leaders in Ukraine realized they did with Psalm 31 this past week. The head rabbi in Ukraine called on, invited all Christian brothers and sisters in in Ukraine and now worldwide to pray Psalm 31 with them. And if you, um, you may have seen a beautiful video compilation already of different Ukrainian people reciting Psalm 31 verse by verse 
and video excerpts that the, those people have submitted from bomb shelters, from their various refuges. So if you just Google today, Psalm 31 video Ukraine, it'll come up. But it's very powerful. And it's, it's particularly moving because, you know, in World War II, we, we weren't, no one who wasn't down in the London underground tunnels could be present with those people, sheltering from the bombs. But today, simply going to a YouTube video, we can be present with these people who are sheltering themselves from bombs, from attack. So Psalm, 91, Psalm 31 also, that might be a discipline you take up this Lent uh, as a, a way of prayer and drawing closer to those who can use our prayers. Here's just a few verses to see why the rabbi chose the psalm he did. Verse 1 of Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Verse 5. And make this a prayer as you listen to me as well. Verse 5. Into your hands I commend my spirit. The words Jesus prays from the cross. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, O God of truth. Verse 15. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Verse 21, blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his love in a besieged city. The Psalms can really become, the Psalms can really become very poignant and suddenly very, very contemporary um, in times of need. Amen. So prayer is a discipline we take up more earnestly in Lent, hopefully we do, with God's help. When you pray, says Jesus, we hear on Ash Wednesday, every, every Ash Wednesday, we hear Jesus exhorting us to pray, to fast, and to give alms. So he says, when you pray, not if you pray, when. There is another way that we can join in prayer with those in need, those under attack. And Jesus gives us that model today in the gospel. He told us on Ash Wednesday about it too. It wasn't an if, it was a when. When you fast. When you fast. Fasting is praying with our bodies. Fasting is praying with our bodies. Every year on this first Sunday in Lent, we get one of the three synoptic gospel accounts of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew, Mark, or Luke. So this year we're in Luke. We get Luke's version. So listen again. After his baptism, Jesus, and Luke gives beautiful, rich detail, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. I learned this past week that the Judean desert is filled with rocks that look like round, beautiful loaves of bread. Something else to Google this week. Judean desert, loaves of bread. It's true. So it's easy to see how the temptation would arise so, so, so um, uh, easily. Jesus is here about to begin his ministry of three years, and so he sets about this time in the desert to prepare 
and here we are, drawing, wanting to draw close to our Lord and following in his path. We are preparing too. So he inaugurates the first Lenten season, you might say, that leads ultimately to his death and resurrection. So where, where are you guys? Where are each of you at the beginning of this Lenten season? Some of us not where we intended, thought we would be today. For all of us who knew Father Sid, we're not where we thought we would be at the beginning of this Lenten season. Yeah. God calls us to prepare our hearts to draw close to him. So the desert, the desert, a place that is devoid of life, devoid of sustenance. Jesus fasts, and I mean no food. Jesus' Jewish people of his day, as well as still in our time, fasted on certain days in the year to draw more closely to God, either in remembrance of an event or with a petition for something needed, or in repentance of a past harm or harms, like what is done on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, a day much like our Ash Wednesday. This desert fast of Jesus's is, however, all Jesus. Fasting is an ascetical, A-S-C, an ascetical act, a self-denying act. Not only Jews and Christians, but people of many faith traditions fast at times of personal need or prayer on behalf of someone or something else. Fasting isn't necessarily going completely without food, but it is limiting it. It is choosing to limit how much we take in. It is different. Fasting is different from abstaining, which would be going without a certain ingredient or food like meat or caffeine or alcohol. Just think that fasting is giving up quantity. Abstaining is giving up quality. So fasting is about choosing not to fill up on as much food as we are used to doing each day. Well, for what purpose? For what purpose? Since at least as early as the fourth century, the church has fasted during the 40 days of Lent, the same time as Jesus was in the wilderness. And so from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday, not counting Sundays, we have 40 days. It means the church gives us a break on Sunday. Every Sunday is a mini Easter. We, draw, we fast to draw closer to God, primarily. We fast to draw closer. We fast because it puts us in a listening stance before God. We say, Lord, we do not, as Jesus says, we do not live on bread alone. Matthew's version is the one who carries on the verse from Deuteronomy that Jesus is quoting, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. On every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So before getting started, if you are new to fasting, I can recommend a sweet little pocket-sized book called the St. Augustine's Prayer Book. Nathan, my husband, brought it into our marriage. It's, it's um, fairly Anglo-Catholic, so it may not be your style, but it is helpful when it comes to ascetical practice, practices like prayer and fasting. It's the St. Augustine Prayer Book. And it says in this little book that you should avoid fasting. There's a lot of wisdom in this little book that the church has accumulated. It says you should avoid fasting if you are ill, if you are of old age or extremely young, 
or do heavy manual labor. So you could just let that particular discipline go if, those, if you fall in any of those categories. Otherwise, if you have not tried fasting, here are some tips. Ease into it. We're just at the beginning of Lent. You've missed nothing. Ease into it. Maybe you fast just on, on Fridays, on, on one particular day. Wednesdays and Fridays are traditionally the days to fast. Wednesdays, I know for the Eastern Orthodox, uh, is when G Jesus was betrayed. So that's a typical day to fast. Or Fridays, Good Friday being the ultimate fast day, right? You can add more if you go, as you go through the season or not. Just keep it manageable for yourself. You might leave out breakfast or you might choose to leave out lunch. Just leave out one meal, right? We're not, as far as I know here, none of us are monks. So we don't want to go extreme. You know, be gentle. Be gentle on yourself. Keep it safe for you. The next tip, start and end your fast with prayer. Fill it if possible, but at least start and end it with prayer. When I worked at the University of Virginia while Nathan was finishing his doctorate, we chose Friday lunch time to give up a meal. And we met, if anybody's been to the UVA campus, um, we met at a garden bench in one of those beautiful Jeffersonian gardens. And on that day, just prayed together, sat together and prayed. Because it doesn't do anything for anyone to sit at your desk at work, fasting from lunch, thinking about lunch. <laughs> I realized pretty soon that, that that's defeating the point. Find a friend. Maybe your marriage partner, maybe a buddy, maybe a smaller community, more than two, three or four of you. Disciplines are easier when you know that someone else is in it with you. Find a community. Draw support from each other. You have less temptation when you're holding each other accountable. Hey, how's it going? Or ideally, if you can meet at that time that you otherwise would be feasting, fast together. And a health tip, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Have water, Ch chicken broth, if you're having a particularly hard time with just water. Um, something to keep your system going. And most people find that without a meal, it's no surprise, you feel a little less energetic. You know, we fuel up for a reason. Our bodies need fuel. But lean into that. Maybe take a nap. That's okay. We all could do with a little more rest in this culture. If you're giving up dinner and you feel sleepy, go to bed. You might get more sleep in. Others find that going without a meal gives them more time to go take a walk or write in their prayer journal, exercise. Remember, the Spirit will guide you. Everyone has a different experience with fasting. Talk to folks who've done it. I'd love to know after the service. Come see me if you're curious about it, if you haven't, if you have and, and want to sh share your experience with me. I'd love to hear. C.S. Lewis was asked, why do you pray? You think you're going to change God? And he says that famous, no, I, I don't pray because I think I'm going to change God's mind. I pray because God's, God's going to change me. So we fast for the same reason. We don't fast to change God's mind. We fast so that we might be drawn into Jesus' life of mercy and love and forgiveness. And in a mystical way, we are drawn more into other people's lives, even folks across the ocean in Ukraine right now. We are joining in compassion 
with them and their situation if we're choosing that as an intention this Lent. So maybe today here at the beginning of Lent, pray, ask the Holy Spirit who filled Jesus as he went into the wilderness. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. God, what is the intention you would give me to head into a particular discipline about? Finally, you might find that fasting, praying, almsgiving certainly, another, another sermon, is going to bring up stuff for you. And if you need to reach out to a pastor, to a spiritual director, see, see us. We're resources here. So don't let whatever might come up. Obviously, Jesus had some things come up in the wilderness for him. So things can come up for you this season. So reach out. The saints were all, oh, finally, one last tip. You will find that strange, there's a strange sadness when you get to the end of Lent and you've gone through this discipline and it, it feels really good and your body, even, you're praying with your body, remember, when you're doing some fasting or abstaining? You're praying with your body. So your body feels pretty good. And you get to Easter and you, there's, a, there's this big feast in front of you. Well, folks, embrace it. Embrace it. Feel the sadness. Let that, care, let that be something you remember next time a, fe- a fasting season comes up. But the church is also about feasting, great feasts. And this one we're looking forward to is the great feast of Easter. So lean into fasting, but lean back into feasting when it's time. The saints were all in agreement about the, benet- the benefits of fasting. So I'll leave you with these words of the great St. John Chrysostom, early fourth century. Chrysostom says, fasting is the support of our soul. It gives us wings to ascend on high and to enjoy the highest contemplation. God, like an indulgent father, offers us a cure by fasting. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For service times or more information on St. Richard's, please visit strichards.org.